Well, good day, church family. This is Pastor Scott. And this is Kevin. And we are here for another edition of the post-sermon wrap-up podcast. Finally jumping into the the real meat here of our new study in the book of Ephesians. So we were uh, looking this past week at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, really. I mean, so we're looking at this in three parts. Um, so in particular, this is... As you said on Sunday, Kevin, this is one long, long sentence, right? <laughs> 202 Greek words. So the longest, talk about an English teacher's nightmare. <laughs> the longest one in the in the New Testament, right? I think so. As yes, it is. Aware, yeah. so. Now, Ephesians does have a number of really long sentences. So it's not the only long sentence for sure in the mm -hmm. book, but it is uh, for sure a long one. And uh, But it's so rich. It's like Paul just got carried away, forgot to take mm -hmm. a breath, and he just prepositional phrase after prepositional phrase, you know, <laughs> kept piling on grace. Well, so. as you mentioned, the, the title of this one was To the Praise of His Glory, part one. So we're looking at these 14, or these, uh, I guess, whatever it is, 11, 12 verses in a, in a three-week format here, kind of breaking it down. And so this was part one, really looking at verses three through six in the work of God the Father, in redemption. So if you would just maybe talk to us a little bit about as you approach this passage this week, I know you were sharing with us a little bit yesterday as pastors, what what exactly was your prayer for mm. our church family as we launched into the book of Ephesians? Yeah. So of course as we started this study, I knew you know what was coming mm -hmm. and this 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 is such a God-centered passage. I mean it it shows us the bigness of God in a way that staggers mm -hmm. our imaginations. It causes us, it humbles us, you know, mm -hmm. it causes us to often ask questions and questions aren't bad. But my prayer for our study has been that this study would move us to praise mm -hmm. even more than it would move us to questions. Mm -hmm. Because God didn't reveal this to the Ephesians through the Apostle Paul so that they would all ask a bunch of questions and get mm -hmm. all wound up about the bigness of God. That's mm -hmm. not why he revealed it. Yeah. And yet that's often how we respond. Mm -hmm. God revealed this so that the Ephesian Christians would be like, wow, mm -hmm. whoa, what a God, mm -hmm. what a God. And so that's been my prayer is that we would be a church family who would be truly motivated to praise God for his sovereign grace, even when we don't fully understand all the different mm -hmm. mysteries of it, but that we would truly praise him for his grace in our lives. He is a good God. You speak there of, yeah, even us not being able to understand it really, because what is front and center in this particular portion of uh, the passage uh, that we studied this past Sunday was really a focus on God's uh, electing role in salvation, yep. his predestination. Both those terms come up here <laughs> in uh, the passage here. So probably be helpful for us as we think just back on uh, the sermon from this past week, whether you were with us on Sunday or whether you're kind of hearing this just for the first time, maybe just help us understand as, as simply and as helpfully as possible, what is election? Yep. What is predestination? Are they just saying the same thing? Are there slight nuances? Help us understand what exactly these terms are talking about in 
this okay, passage. Sure, yeah. So if you have your Bibles open <clears throat> to Ephesians chapter 1, you'll, you'll remember that in verse 4 uh, is where we find the word election in the Greek. And in the ESV, it says, even as he chose us mm-hmm. or elected us. It's the same word as like what we found in First Peter when uh, we were we were studying there. It says to the elect exiles, you know, so it's mm-hmm. to the the chosen ones. So election mm-hmm. is when God chooses us for salvation. Um, you see, we see election in Deuteronomy where God chooses the um, nation of Israel mm-hmm. as His special nation among all the nations mm-hmm. for His salvific purposes for his glory so that he might redeem for himself a nation out of all the nations. But you see this here in an individual way. God elected or chose us for salvation. So election is the sovereign choice of God to de- that determines who will be saved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, predestination that you see in verse 5 and verse 11 of this text um, is is a little bit it's it's basically a synonym it's the predestination mm-hmm. of God is is the same as his choice but it's if you were to separate the nuances just a little bit predestination is actually a little bit of a broader term mm-hmm. than election so predestination literally means God determines one's destiny beforehand. Mm-hmm. So it's the determination of one's destiny beforehand. It's pre-destination. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the reason that's a little bigger than election is that election in the New Testament always refers to salvation. Mm-hmm. But predestination can refer to salvation as it does here in Ephesians 1. Mm-hmm. Or it can also refer to just God's predetermination of uh, one's destiny in other ways, mm-hmm. in his sovereign providence mm-hmm. beyond uh, salvation. And you see that in mm-hmm. Acts chapter 4. Let me just read for you in Acts chapter 4 where um, they're talking about uh, how God providentially brought Jesus to the cross mm-hmm. to accomplish his plan. And in chapter Four of Acts, verse 27, it says, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, mm-hmm. both Herod and Pontius Pilate. So we see that God had set up Herod and Pontius Pilate by his sovereign anointing to be the exact rulers who would be there when his son came to be judged. So he says, um, You anointed Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined mm. to take place. Mm-hmm. So predestination is just this theological word or this New Testament word that refers to God determining one's destiny beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it can obviously relate to our salvation mm-hmm. like election does, mm-hmm. or it can be broader and just be more of a providential mm-hmm. decree of God. Mm-hmm. And even just the broader purpose of his plan for salvation versus just kind of that more individual idea of that electing purpose for individuals yeah. into salvation. So election is very it's it's uh, it's personal, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, it's it's the sovereign choice of God mm-hmm. to save sinners. So talk a little bit more about that when you say sovereign choice, because there's a lot of 
as we we've talked about this in recent weeks, there's a lot of just maybe different views as to what exactly election is based on or what predestination is focused on. What are maybe some of the uh, faulty views that are out there as okay. to how does God make this choice right yeah. um, and help us yeah. understand, according to the Bible, really what this choice is based on, what it's for? Yeah, I think I think the most common here in Central Illinois, the most common misconception, if I can mm-hmm. use that word, about God's sovereign election or predestination is that it is somehow conditional upon man's choice Mm -hmm. so that somehow God's will is conditional upon man's will. So, you know, like somehow maybe God's predestination or his election is just making our salvation possible. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. the only thing that determines whether we're saved or not is our choice. Mm -hmm. But scripture just clearly refutes that Mm -hmm. Um, first or not first John, but the gospel of John Chapter one, verse twelve says, "Whoever receives Jesus mm-hmm. uh, is is born again, is saved." You know, mm-hmm. and it sounds like, "Oh, it's it's our it's mm-hmm. our decision," but then the next verse, verse thirteen, goes on mm-hmm. to say, "But we're not saved of our own will, but by the will of God." So it's not our will that saves us and causes us to receive Jesus, but mm-hmm. it's our own. It's it's God's will. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So even in this passage in Ephesians chapter one, several different times, I'd have to count it, but. Uh, it's it emphasizes the will of God, so it's he he mm-hmm. predestined us for adoption as son. Verse five, according to the purpose of His will. Um, verse eight, He lavished grace upon us uh, to show us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which mm-hmm. He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. So this is God's plan. This is God's will. This is God's purpose. In verse 11, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel mm-hmm. of His will. So so it is the will of God that calls mm-hmm. us and draws us, mm-hmm. and like John chapter 6 says, brings us to God. Mm-hmm. And having been brought to God, we believe on him mm-hmm. and therefore accomplish his saving purposes. That's so good. So one of the things that you know naturally we, we chafe against here is this idea that it feels like, well, you know, somehow God in his choosing then, he is somehow preventing salvation from taking place for for some but you're you were kind of explaining a little earlier just a idea that if we'd rightly understand this doctrine it really should produce worship oh yeah. right like help us understand <laughs> like, like why it really should draw that and that it's because... not it's not that misunderstanding that like god's you know this cosmic bouncer you know who's in the heavens just trying to you know yeah. prevent some people from you know no, entering no, no, in, no. in fact just the opposite romans 8 or romans 5 verse 8 says that while we were enemies of god he loved mm-hmm. us <laughs> like, yeah. like one of the things we tried to emphasize through this text i emphasize it because the text emphasizes it that god chose us before time in order to present us holy. Mm-hmm. So look at the purpose of this. This isn't so that we'd somehow be robots. Mm-hmm. It's very personal. It's purposeful. Mm-hmm. And it's motivated by his love. Mm-hmm. It's in love he predestined us, which resulted in our adoption so that the power of Satan is broken over us and that he could be praised. So God is doing all of this 
not to keep people from being saved, Mm -hmm. but in order to make their salvation possible. I love John 6. If, if If you have questions about this doctrine, Oh, read and get to know John chapter 6, because there's so many glorious things in that chapter. One of my favorite verses in that chapter is verse 37, which says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. So here you have the Father's giving. That's his choice. That's his election. Jesus is talking. He says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. So God has given, he's elected some to salvation, and they will come. And then... He says, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Mm -hmm. So there's the promise. No one will ever come and knock on the door of Christ to be saved. And God will say, I'm sorry, you weren't elect. You can't come in. Mm. That will not ever happen. According to John 6, 37, all who comes to him will be saved. So the doctrine of election should inspire Mm -hmm. such praise and worship as we recognize our God saves. And the very reason I have a desire to be saved is because of God's amazing, sovereign, effectual call at work in my life. Mm. That's so good. So let's just get practical here because naturally, as we said, this does raise questions and questions aren't bad, but we just know that this is uh, a doctrine that just for people who are starting to really process it and understand what logically the scriptures are maybe starting to say help the people maybe in our church right now who are wrestling with maybe friends who they have seen walk away from the faith or Hmm. perhaps uh children loved ones who you know at an early age maybe made a profession of faith saw what maybe seemed like fruit in their life but then all of a sudden forsaked or not really walking with the lord anymore were they elect? Were they not? Yeah. Uh, what, how do we how do we such reconcile a, what we see? Such a good question and a and a real question. Excuse me, a real question. I mean, this is this is tender for a lot of us because we have dear dear friends and loved ones who have left Jesus after some profession of faith, maybe even after years. I have friends who have mm-hmm. who have left the Lord after years of faithful ministry alongside me. And it's devastating. These things are very devastating. So, so let's back into the answer to that question with mm-hmm. Scripture. Yep. So go to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Now, Romans 8 has a famous verse in it. <laughs> Romans 8, 28 mm-hmm. says that we know that whoever uh, loves God, all things will work together for good. For those who are called, who are the called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's that reference to the calling of God Mm -hmm. according to the purpose of God. That's his Mm -hmm. election again. But look at the next verse. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So let's stop right there. So Mm -hmm. God, the foreknowledge of God. Remember, the foreknowledge of God is not foresight. God doesn't read the news. (laughs) He's not a reactor. Yeah. The foreknowledge of God is the, is that he knew us intimately beforehand. Remember, in, in the scripture, knowledge is, is often even referred to as from a sexual intimacy perspective. Like Adam knew Eve and right. she conceived. <laughs> so the foreknowledge of God is an intimate knowledge of love. Mm-hmm. And he did that beforehand. He loved us and knew us beforehand. And he foreknew us. He, he knew us personally beforehand 
And what did that foreknowledge lead to? Predestination. So he determined our destiny beforehand. What was our destiny? That we'd be conformed to the image of Christ. He, before time began, he looked and he saw us, he loved us, he knew us, and he said, your destiny is going to be as my bride to my son. Mm-hmm. In order that, why did he do that? So that we'd be the firstborn among many brothers. He's making for himself a family. He's making for himself a people, a children. Mm-hmm. And then verse 30 says, and those whom he predestined, so those whom God determined their destiny beforehand, mm-hmm. he also called. Calling is this, is this effectual work. It's not just an invitation that you can mm-hmm. reject. This is here an effectual calling. We know it's effective. In other words, everyone he called is going to be justified because that's what the text says. He says, and those whom he called, he also justified. <laughs> In other words, there's nobody that drops out of this chain. This yeah. is sometimes called the unbreakable chain of God's salvation. And mm-hmm. it's glorious. It's mm-hmm. so good because those whom he predestined, he also called. Mm-hmm. And those whom he also called, he also justified. And notice mm-hmm. this, those whom he justified, he also mm-hmm. glorified. So there's an unbreakable chain mm-hmm. that God saves whom he will save, Mm -hmm. and no one that God truly saves has the power Mm -hmm. to disrupt or nullify what Mm -hmm. God has done. And that only makes sense that if God is doing it, Mm -hmm. God does it all the way to the end. So he calls us, Mm -hmm. he's the author and the finisher. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he calls us, predestines us, justifies us, and glorifies us. So once you understand what the scripture teaches, about how all of our salvation from beginning Mm -hmm. to end is the work of God. Philippians says, what he began, he will finish, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Chapter one, verse six. So once you understand that, then you say, well, how do I wrestle with the fact that in personal experience, in real life, Mm -hmm. it seems like there's people who do start, but they don't finish. Mm -hmm. They fall away. Great question. Mm-hmm. So now that we've set that up, go to 1 John chapter 2, mm-hmm. verse 19. Because uh, the Apostle John is going to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And he's going to say, he's warning them about Antichrist and uh, how in the last days there's going to be many who fall away. And so he's talking about this very thing. Like, we know this happens. Mm-hmm. So how do we make sense of this in light of the fact of God's sovereign work that is the only reason for our salvation? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, um, verse 19, 1 John two nineteen, they went out from us, meaning they departed mm-hmm. from the faith. They, they left Christianity. They left Jesus. They went out from mm-hmm. us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, mm-hmm. but they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. In other words, here's, here's the way that I can translate this. Hebrews 6 talks about the same reality in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Gives all kinds of warning passages. Mm-hmm. Say, don't fall away. Don't lose heart. And those warning mm-hmm. passages in Hebrews are actually God's means to preserve the elect. <laughs> we need to be warned about the dangers of falling away. Yeah. So these are real warnings. But he says, not everyone who looks like a Christian or talks like a Christian Mm -hmm. is truly a Christian. 
there is all kinds of reasons, mm -hmm. one of which might be I want to please mom and dad. You know, mm -hmm. as a young child, they, mm -hmm. they're Christians. I want to be, I want to be, I want to make mm -hmm. mom and dad happy. So I'm going to get baptized and do all the right things and look the part on the outside. Mm -hmm. But just because somebody makes a decision, mm -hmm. just because somebody prays a prayer, prays a prayer mm -hmm. yeah. or walks an aisle, doesn't make them saved. Mm -hmm. And this is the biggest misconception about Christianity in central Illinois that I'm aware of, mm -hmm. is this belief that our decision is what saves us. Mm -hmm. Scripture's, a lot of stock in it. Yeah. yeah, Scripture is very clear. The opposite. Mm -hmm. God is who saves us. And when God mm -hmm. saves us, He changes us from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And that works out a yeah. holiness and unchanged life. But just because somebody makes a decision isn't... Yeah. It isn't that God has saved them. I think that this is really, this speaks very clearly to Jesus' own words in Mark 4 when he's telling the parable of the soils, right? Yes. And this, I, I think we all are familiar with it, and yet it's one of the ones that we're so quick to forget is the fact that there are four types of soil. There's not just two. There's not just yes. the one that grows and then the one that doesn't. It's that there's, there's a couple of what we would call pseudo plants that are growing yes. that look like they have life, right? There's vitality to them. There's, there's, there's flowers, there's blossoming. There might even be some fruit that's coming from it, but the reality is what's happening under the soil, what we can't see. Mm -hmm. And in our case, that would be the heart is that the heart is not actually rooted and grounded in Christ. Yeah. And over time, and it depends, that could be, you know, three months, it could be three years, years. it yeah. could be, you know, a long time. Yeah. I mean, think about Judas, right? right? Judas was with Jesus walking with them for about three years and nobody even, nobody even suspected it. Right. And so it's not that that makes it easier, but we just have to remind ourselves that false fruit is, is very possible. You know, yeah. we see that Jesus promises that. And I think... Going back to what you were saying about that unbreakable chain of salvation, again, using Jesus' own words, probably the, the, the passage of Scripture, the, the area of Scripture that has had more influence on me than any other is John chapter 10. So you're talking John chapter 6. John chapter 10 is where Jesus is talking about his flock. You know, yes. Those who know him hear his voice, and he calls those who are his own. But towards the end of that chapter, in, in John chapter uh, 10, verses 28 through 30, and verse 28 in particular, right, he says, you know, that my sheep know my voice, but then he says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Right. 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 Yes. Uh, I, give them so e I give them eternal life. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And so we always have to ask ourselves the question of, who really is the one who initiates this, right? Because, yeah. yeah, if our salvation is dependent upon us, then absolutely we could lose it. But if it is not, and it truly is a work of Christ, and he is the one that holds us, then then no, we will not lose that, That's right? It's, no it's, no it's, human it's, power can do it that. It makes you want to say thanks, Lord, because it's like, praise God. He does what we could have never done. Mm -hmm. if, if salvation was just God starting something and then leaving it up to me, mm -hmm. I would have I would have messed it up a we long time ago. Would have lost it. Yep. So it is God's amazing mm -hmm. grace. It is his sovereign grace that elects and predestines sinners like me who never deserved it and could never I don't deserve it now any more than I deserved it then. I've never deserved mm -hmm. his love. And that moves me to such grace and mm -hmm. such mercy and that's the heart of the forgiving heart. That's the mm -hmm. heart of mercy. If you forget this, if you reject the doctrine of, of election, you will not forgive others the way you should. Be, mm -hmm. You have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. You will not live the life that God has called. Because 
because this moves us to such humility and such praise and such gratitude. It's a glorious, mm -hmm. glorious thing. So Indeed. I just want to encourage our church family, confirm your election mm -hmm. by living in the strength that God has provided you. Mm -hmm. Like he has given you his spirit. And so pursue Christ with all that you have. And in so doing, 2 Peter 1.10 will say, you will be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Mm -hmm. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And that is such a glorious truth. Amen, amen. Well, that does it for another edition of the Post-Sermon Wrap-Up Podcast. Next Sunday, we got Pastor Tyson in the pulpit. Very excited for that. We've got a couple other pastors in this room here who will be away on vacation. And so we'll have to see if we're going to be releasing another podcast next week. We'll try to make that work, even if it's maybe uh, maybe we'll do a catch up one two weeks from now where we'll cover both uh, sections. But P Pastor Tyson's going to be looking at verses seven through 12 here of chapter one, looking at the work of Christ in particular yeah, in redemption. So and you will not want to miss it, church. So uh, read ahead of time. Continue to be prayerful and dependent and humble upon God. And we're going to look forward to seeing what he does through this series. So God bless. Love you.